0: Welcome to The Best of Us, an education podcast that highlights the concepts, practices, and stories of K-12 professional learning leaders working to enhance the educator experience and bring an excellent education to all students. To get the best of our students, we need the best of our educators. And in each episode, we'll bring you the professional learning leaders who are doing just that to enable your work. The Best of Us is brought to you by Kickup your partner for ensuring that the investments you make to increase educator capacity find their way into the classroom.
1: Hi, I'm Jeremy Rogoff, co-founder and CEO of Kickup and host of the Best of Us podcast. In this episode, I sat down with Michelle Liss, coordinator of instructional coaching and teacher leadership at Fairfax County Public Schools. Michelle has 24 years of experience in education as a teacher, instructional coach, educational specialist, and coordinator. She's led the FCPS instructional coaching program since 2016, and as you'll hear, she's grown it to over 100 coaches. Michelle and I cover a number of topics, both tactical and strategic, like how to build alignment across a coaching program, the keys to leveraging principles, the qualities of a successful instructional coach, evaluating the impact of coaching, building a coaching pipeline in the district and how she's created a culture of coaching across the county. To me, Michelle stands out as a coaching leader who's taken the best practices of instructional coaching and implemented them at scale. While she operates in a large school system, her mindset and learnings can benefit leaders in districts of all sizes. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Michelle Liss, welcome to the best of us. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm really excited to have you here, Michelle. My team and I returned from Learning Forward about a month and a half ago, and they raved about the session that you gave on instructional coaching. And I thought it would be such a good opportunity for us to dive in further to the work that you do. On The Best of Us, we've had Joel and Killian, Jim Knight, two coaching experts, and it's always great to pair that with somebody who's doing it in practice every day. So I'm really excited to dive in with you. I thought maybe we could just start to set the stage for folks. Can you talk a little bit about the demographics of Fairfax County of your district and a little bit about your role?
2: Sure. So Fairfax County is one of the largest school districts in the country. Right now we're the 10th largest school division with about 198 schools and centers and 188,000 students. So You know, sometimes people think that living right outside of D.C., that that our schools might all look pretty similar. But in reality, we have varying demographics across the entire division. So some of our schools have high socioeconomic status, while other of our schools are more diverse, have more free and reduced lunch students um, and a higher ESOL population
1: a little bit about your role.
2: Sure. So for the past 7 years, I've been the coordinator of the instructional coaching program in the division. And the instructional coaching program has been around since 2005, so I believe we're in our 18th year of the program. And I've been in my role for the past 7 years helping to hire, retain, develop instructional coaches to impact student achievement.
1: That's awesome. How did you arrive at this role? What what was your Um, your path in getting to your current role.
2: Sure. I started out in Fairfax County as a classroom teacher and spent some time at the elementary school level in the classroom. And then in 2005, when the program first started, I thought I would throw my name in the hat for the instructional coach position. Wasn't really sure what it was at the time, but took a chance and was lucky enough to be one of the first coaches in the division. And so I spent seven years as an instructional coach, five at one school, two at a different school, and then went on to become a central office administrator before becoming the coordinator of the program.
1: So if we step back and think about, um, you know, 2005 and Fairfax's decision to make an investment in instructional coaching, and that's something that you and the, the district renew every year is that investment can you talk a little bit about why Fairfax has decided to make an investment in instructional coaching?
2: So the goal of instructional coaching is really to impact student achievement. And the work of that is done by working side by side with teachers in their classrooms on different instructional strategies and methods to help kids hit various goals. and. When the program first started, you know, the focus was really on reading and math and closing the achievement gap. And instructional coaches had a proven track record of helping schools narrow those achievement gaps. And so over the years, more and more principals saw the value in the position and decided to hire more coaches and expand the program.
1: So it sounds like it was a combination of the both the research to show that coaching has an impact on student achievement and also the buy-in from principals who ultimately you know, made that investment in their buildings.
2: Yeah, I would say principals and district leaders, they are some of the biggest advocates for the instructional coaches in the division.
1: Yeah. And we hear so often from our district partners how they have to justify the impact of instructional coaches every year and so i'm excited to to talk a little bit further about that as we get into the conversation but maybe maybe take take us back to 2005 and talk a little bit about the evolution of the instructional coaching program since you joined as i'm sure it, it kind of iterates every year.
2: Yeah, so in 2005 there were 24 of us and we were in 25 schools with most of us being at the elementary level and there was one middle school instructional coach and the focus was really on math, reading, and closing the achievement gap. Since then, it's been more about instructional practices across content areas, and so not just reading and math, but how can we help teachers hone their skills across content areas and with varying student populations? And so after those first two years, the program expanded a bit, And now we're up to 103 coaches this school year. And since my time, which was um, being the coordinator, which was in 2016 when I started, more and more high schools have come into the program. So while in 2005, we didn't have a single high school instructional coach, this year we have um, about 18 at the high school level.
1: Well, one, one thing that you mentioned that I think it's important to follow up on is starting with the somewhat focused goal of closing the achievement gap in reading and math, and then really expanding the scope of instructional coaching to be focused on all high quality instructional practices. What led to that shift in thinking about what the role of the instructional coach is?
2: So I would say that principals and schools really helped shift that message because when it when a principal will call and say that they're hoping to have an instructional coach in their building one of the first questions I will ask is you know what do you hope that they will accomplish in their position and at first the focus was really on reading and math and over the years principals have said more and more we want someone who knows good solid instruction and so the content area didn't seem to matter as much now there are some coaches who still focus solely on literacy or solely on math but more and more it's been expanded so that an instructional coach can coach instruction regardless of the content area
1: that's great so again that buy-in from the principal you you kind of prompting them with what is it you actually want the instructional coach to achieve building that alignment with the the principal to make sure that the coach is there to focus on all instruction instructional practice as opposed to just the content. Um, right. Related to that, since you've taken on the role of the coordinators in, uh, in 2016, what is your vision for instructional coaching, and how do you build alignment across what 100, over a hundred coaches, dozens of buildings? What does that process look like?
2: Yeah, so I would say alignment is probably the biggest challenge for any instructional coaching program, at least with other leaders across the nation that I've talked to. And so some of the first steps that I took when I came into the program was to try and realign that vision and doing that through having principals and instructional coaches come together for some professional development. To realign what the role is and what the goals of the program are. And so, you know, we've worked with various experts over the years on instructional coaching. And at the beginning of every year, principals and instructional coaches will sit down together and work on some partnership agreements about how they're going to work together, as well as what the principal's hopes for the instructional coach might be for that year. And so out of the gate, the coach has clear direction on where they're headed and how the principal would be able to say that that coach has been successful in the building. So, you know, that's one of the first steps for alignment. Um, I think another step for alignment is to think about aligning the professional development to ensure that instructional coaches have the coaching skills and are up to date on county initiatives or your district initiatives so that they can support those in the building as well. So that there's alignment, not just across the program, but for teachers in all of the buildings and with the district initiatives. And another step for aligning a program is to think about the evaluation process that you have in place for your instructional coaches. And does that evaluation match the job description and what you're asking people to do so that when principals go to evaluate their coach, they have clear guidelines and expectations about what a highly effective instructional coach looks like.
1: I I haven't heard that level of detail when it comes to the evaluation process for an instructional coach and also the role of the principal in partnering with and evaluating the instructional coach. Can you talk a little bit more about the role of the principal in your instructional coaching program and how that's evolved?
2: So I would say since the program started in 2005, principals have always been really involved with their instructional coaches and the professional development. So coming together in the summer before teachers start, receive some learning together identify goals for the year, how the coach will allocate their time, and the principal has always been the evaluator of the instructional coach. So the evaluation standards for instructional coaches this year changed when the state of Virginia changed and added an additional standard to the evaluation process for teachers. So coaches are evaluated on the teacher evaluation standards. And what's different is their rubrics for each standard are really tailored to their position. And so when you look at the goals of an instructional coach, the work that they should be doing in their buildings, the evaluation aligns to all of those things so that a principal can clearly identify how on target they are.
1: That's great. And I would imagine as a new instructional coach, my skill sets and my experiences are going to be different than a more experienced instructional coach. Coaches often come from different content areas, different backgrounds. How did you think about designing professional learning to meet the needs of your varied coaching population?
0: So there
2: are different professional developments put in place based on the level in which you coach. So elementary or secondary, whether you're a first-year coach or experienced, and if you're a mentor to a new coach. So during the summer, before teachers start on their contracts, instructional coaches in their first year come together for about five days of professional learning. And we focus really on you know what is the role of an instructional coach in Fairfax County, some coaching language that they might use, getting clear on you know what is an instructional coach versus what's a consultant and then principals and instructional coaches will come together all together for a day of learning as well from there every month instructional coaches come together for professional learning and so if you're a first-year coach you attend one meeting and then if you're an experienced coach you also attend a monthly meeting And so sometimes if you're a first year coach, that means two professional developments a month. And over the course of a year, instructional coaches will take a look at, you know, various coaching models as well as content specific professional development. And we lean on a bunch of professional texts to help us guide through that learning. And then in addition, the afternoon of every professional development for all coaches is directed by the coaches. And so they have learning circles where they identify a topic that they need to learn more about to be better in their roles or to better support their schools. And they self-organize into small groups around a professional text or resource and then do some learning for about five different weeks throughout the year. And then the last part of the day is focused on collaboration time, where, again, it's self-directed. They identify topics that they want to problem solve or brainstorm with each other, and they organize into small groups and share those resources, brainstorm ideas, problem solve, because really, you know, they're all in buildings, but all of the challenges they might face are very similar And so if they can get together with their colleagues and do some of that problem solving and brainstorming, then, you know, the entire program becomes better because of it.
1: Since we're on the topic of their collaboration, what have you found to be some of the most um, challenging areas for instructional coaches, maybe new instructional coaches to really gain competency around?
2: So I think when you think about the term coaching, people have various perspectives on what that means. To some people, coaching means that I'm an expert. I have a lot of knowledge. I'm going to come in and share with you. And then you're going to implement what I just told you. You know, other people might think that, you know, a coach is somebody who facilitates your thinking. And doesn't offer up any ideas, and all the answers lie within. And so, the model that we follow is really it's a partnership. We're in this together. You have some ideas, I have some ideas, and together we're going to figure this out. I'm going to be boots on the ground with you. And so, I think clarifying what an instructional coach is and what they do is probably the trickiest part in the very beginning. As well as, you know, we're all used to being teachers and providing feedback to students. And so sometimes shifting the language from being evaluative to very neutral is also a challenge. And so we work on both of those things in the first year coach PD.
1: I remember when I was a teacher, I had multiple instructional coaches, some of whom would be more on the spectrum of here's what to do now go implement it and others who would try to draw it out of me. And I could see the benefits and drawbacks of both. And it seems like the partnership agreement is kind of a blend of those two, something that brings together the coach's expertise, but also the teacher's unique context that they have for their students in their classroom.
2: You know, something that I often talk with instructional coaches about is it is impossible for us to be experts in all things. And so to think that I have the exact answer for the exact challenge. That a teacher is facing in their classroom, that that's impossible. And so I can't have the right answer all of the time. And together with that teacher who knows their students best, we could probably brainstorm some ideas and try them out and see what works.
1: Yeah. So the thinking about this broad group of instructional coaches, over 100, they don't appear out of thin air. Um, you have to recruit and um, develop them and find them, I'm, I'm curious what has been the way in which you've built a pipeline for instructional coaches and then how similarly as teachers, we wanted to find ways for us, for ourselves to continue growing in the classroom. What does career progression look like for coaches once they're in the role?
2: So when it comes to recruiting instructional coaches, I start the process pretty early in the year. So usually around February is when the job advertisement will go out and I'll hold information nights for teacher leaders who are interested in the role and the candidate pool process. And so that way people can come learn a bit about it and decide whether or not this is the route that they want to take. And so the program currently has a candidate pool process. And so people apply they're screened, they're recommended for interviews, they interview with a panel, the panel decides um, whether or not to put them into the candidate pool. And at that point, then they receive the vacancy list and have an opportunity to apply where there are openings in the school division. Then principals receive those resumes, go through a screen process, an interview process on their own and ultimately hire their instructional coach. And so, my goal as the coordinator is to develop a really strong candidate pool so that principals have a variety of candidates to choose from who will bring skill set to their school that they're really looking for. And so, recruitment looks like holding those information nights for people who are interested, collaborating with content specialists across the division to advertise to their teacher leaders advertising to our administrators who have candidates in their building who might just need a little nudge to consider applying. And then instructional coaches are a huge recruitment tool because they work with all of the teachers in their buildings and you know, my belief is an instructional coach is to build other teachers capacity and to be build their capacity to be leaders. And so sometimes a coach can see that potential in a teacher that they don't see in themselves, give them a little tap and encourage them, and they're on their way to applying to be an instructional coach.
1: So if coaches are the greatest advocates for the coaching role, what do you think is most rewarding um, for the instructional coaches once they they enter that position?
2: So they will tell me that the the biggest reward for them is seeing the impact that they're able to have on kids across an entire school, as opposed to a singular classroom. They'll also say that oftentimes they leave the position or move to a different school being a much better teacher than they were when they first came into the role because they learn so much from their colleagues.
1: Do you find that in terms of the career progression for coaches that a lot of them end up doing the role for a few years, then maybe going back into the classroom, going into a different administrative role? Is there um, a common trend that you see among coaches and what their career holds Mm -hmm. after they take on the role?
2: Yeah, it really varies. There are some instructional coaches who have been an instructional coach for about 15 years now. There are a few who have gone back into the classroom because one of the challenges that first-year coaches have when they come out of the classroom is really missing the kids and the connection and that direct impact. And so many of them go back into the classroom. And then since the program has started in 2005, 110 instructional coaches have been promoted into leadership positions. And so it was never intended that instructional coaching would be a pipeline for other leadership positions and it's been an unintended consequence and some people might think that you know that might not be a good thing because there's turnover and what I've realized is that when instructional coaches move into other leadership positions it sustains the coaching culture across the division because now you have people in leadership positions with a coaching background And then they also advocate for instructional coaches. And so it just spans the program even more.
1: And I imagine the coaching culture is something that as someone who's been in the role and been in the coaching program since 2005, it's got to be pretty rewarding to see that permeate across the division over many years.
2: Yeah, we've really moved from why instructional coaching to how can we get more instructional coaches in our schools? What would it take?
1: So I want to put a pin in that and and talk a little bit about the evaluation process of instructional coaching. But before we do, I want to make sure we cover the the skills and experiences of instructional coaches. Um, If I'm a teacher, if I'm a teacher leader, what are the types of things that you are looking for in that recruiting and interview process? Which which sounds pretty rigorous. um, What are you hoping to see from those candidates?
0: So
2: a few things that would be noted in the job description specifically are the ability to partner with teachers to really be that side-by-side learning facilitator, someone who's had successful experience in the classroom in one of the four core content areas, so English, math, social studies, or science, that it would be somebody who has great knowledge of instructional practices and ways to use data so that they can help other teachers in those same areas. And they really need to have experience teaching diverse groups of students and being able to lead teachers and teams. Our division is a professional learning community. And so across schools, there are smaller professional learning communities and within those collaborative teams. And we follow the PLC cycle. And so someone who has some knowledge of that and has Evidence of leading teams would be important as well.
1: And you alluded to the the title teacher leader. Is that a particular role in the division? Is that more of an informal role? What does that look like um, in Fairfax?
2: So we would say that every teacher is a leader, they're a leader in their classroom, Uh, they might lead others, and for instructional coaching. We're looking for people who've had a bit more formal experience. So being a team leader, leading a collaborative team, serving on a school improvement plan. And there are teacher leadership courses that are also offered as we think about that pipeline to an instructional coach or other leadership positions in the division. We offer teacher leadership courses to start honing people's skills on first how to lead yourself, And
1: then how you lead others. Great. So you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that now buildings and principals and everyone in the division is asking, how do we get more instructional coaches? And it seems like there was a tipping point in both the culture and also some of the evidence for the impact of instructional coaches. How have you not evaluated on an individual level, the instructional coach, but how have you evaluated the overall impact of your instructional coaching program?
2: And so each year, instructional coaches fill out a form that's called Assessing the Impact. And this form really looks at, okay, what are the goals of the program to build teacher's capacity, to lead the work of teams and the PLC process, and to impact student achievement through those coaching cycles. And so coaches will identify a smarter goal for their teacher evaluation process that's usually tied to a school improvement goal. So they monitor the results of that as one piece of evidence for their impact. And then they also identify actions for supporting teams and supporting individual teachers. And then at mid-year and again at end of year, they document the impact that they've had. And so those statements really need to provide evidence on changes in teacher practice and changes in student achievement. And when they document those as the coordinator, I look across All 100 of them, and can pull out some themes and trends around ways that they're impacting their schools and students.
1: Can you give an example of a shift in teacher practice that coaches have seen that might be illustrative of the impact that they've had? the The impact on student achievement seems clear. You know, you can see it in some type of assessment or um, some type of quantitative measure. What about from an instructional practice perspective?
2: So one instructional practice that a school might be focused on is a co-teaching model. So a general education teacher with their special education teacher and being able to identify those different co-teaching models and what's best for kids. So an instructional coach might provide some professional development on those different co-teaching models. And then they might go into the classroom and work with those two teachers on the different models and what's working best for the kids in the classroom. So when a coach walks away, they need to have evidence that the teacher has, those two teachers have implemented some of those models and are collecting evidence on, you know, which way the models are working for their students. Another example might be that teachers are identifying a focus lesson in literacy And they want to make sure that their focus lesson is short, concise, and students are applying whatever teaching strategy it was. And so the coach might work with that teacher to identify that specific strategy, help that teacher narrow down their teaching points so that it's concise and within a given time frame. And then their evidence would be that that teacher is able to carry on that practice over time within the time constraints that the teacher set for themselves.
1: So you mentioned that there was this tipping point where now people are asking, how do we have more instructional coaches? Do you remember when that took place and what was what was happening on the ground in schools for people to say, "Okay, this is really working? Was it coming from teachers? Was it coming from principals? How did people start to actually see and feel that change?
2: So I think that change occurred before I became the coordinator because the program had grown before I stepped into the role. And as I said before, I think that principals are the biggest advocates for the program. And one of the things that they will tell me is that it's the professional development that makes the instructional coaching role in the building so much more valuable. And so coaches will have skills that can you know, span across, like we talked about, different content areas. They learn about how to facilitate adult learning. They learn about the change process. And so they can really work with their administration for whatever that vision of the school is to help them carry that out through their work with teachers. And so sometimes that takes a really specific skill set. And when principals are able to see that their coach is a partner, that they can help carry out the vision, that they're making changes in classrooms for kids, that teachers are willing to work with the coach, then that permeates throughout the principal culture, and they talk to each other, and soon other principals are wondering, you know, how do I get an instructional coach in my building?
1: So it sounds like the partnership is not just between the coach and the teacher, but it really is between the coach and the principal and the principal viewing that coach as such a key ally for them to achieve their kind of building level vision for success.
2: Right. And that's why it's so important that even though there's a candidate pool process to identify qualified candidates, that in the end the principal hires their instructional coach. They need to have that match and that good relationship. And the coach has choice in that too. They choose where to apply and they can accept or decline an offer based on you know, how they feel that they would support that school.
1: Yeah. And drilling into the instructional coach, you know, even though there are over a hundred of them, I would imagine the ratio of teachers to coaches is still quite high. How does a coach decide how to spend their time how to triage, how to focus with particular teachers?
2: So oftentimes, coaches work with teachers who approach them because they want to hone their craft in teaching. Sometimes a principal will ask an instructional coach to focus on a specific content area, grade level, or team. And so that might be another focus area. I will say, though, that instructional coaching is not intended to be a deficit model. So an instructional coach should not be sent into a classroom where there's a perceived problem and the coach is asked to fix the problem. That is not their role at all. They're really to help strengthen instruction with teachers who are already great at what they do. We're just there to build on all those skills so that kids are even more successful
1: than they currently are. Yeah. The asset asset based model instead of deficit based model Mm -hmm. for coaching makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So everything that you've done at Fairfax sounds incredible, but I can't imagine it doesn't come with some challenges and something that you want to see the program become over time. So what are still some of the unsolved problems for you or some of the challenges that you still see in your role?
2: So a recent challenge is, you know, what I talked about earlier about the number of instructional coaches who have moved on to leadership positions. While that's phenomenal for them, for sustaining the culture of coaching, for bettering the division, it leads to a significant amount of turnover in the program. And so, you know, that's one challenge. Another challenge is that because the program has been around since 2005, There's more education around it and increased expectations about what first year instructional coaches should be able to accomplish when they first walk into a building. And so because of that, we've put some things in place like an instructional coach learning cohort to help build the pipeline to instructional coaching for those who really want to aspire to that role. So that they have some of those foundational skills and knowledge when they walk in as a first-year instructional coach. I would say another challenge is that oftentimes instructional coaches balance their time between working with teams and working with individual teachers, and it might sway heavy one way or the other. My hope is that instructional coaches would be in classrooms more with teachers working on those student-focused goals and seeing that direct impact on student achievement. It's similar to like a football coach who, you know, they're down in practice, watching the players do their lineups and their plays and giving feedback along the way and checking in to see how it's going. And then if they're not on the field, the day that the game day happens, they're stuck back in the locker room it's really hard to have a direct impact on what happens on that field. And so sometimes the same thing is with instructional coaches. You know, if they're tasked with other things and they can't be there in the classroom with instruction, it's really hard to have that direct impact on instruction and kids.
1: We hear other duties as assigned come up quite often for the instructional coach (laughs) and making sure that others around the district, the division, know what their role is. And I think it's probably encouraging for people to hear that even for someone like you who has been in, a, in this leadership role for instructional coaching for several years and for Fairfax that has had such a established coaching program, that that is still a challenge that needs to be revisited over and over. Well, as we close out, I guess my, my final question for you is, what are you what are you proudest of as, as, you're, as you've led this program over the past several years?
2: I think I'm most proud of the reputation that instructional coaches have in the division and across the nation. I think giving them opportunities to take on some leadership within instructional coaching, to lead things at the division level, helps them hone their skills that just, it makes them better back in their schools and in their positions. And seeing the direct impact that they have on kids is what the program's all about. And so at the end of the day, if they're having impact on teachers and kids, then that makes me proud.
1: Well, Michelle, I was really excited to have this conversation uh, after what I heard from Learning Forward, and it exceeded my expectations. So I am so grateful that you would join us and share a little bit more about your work in Fairfax. If people are interested in learning more about you and your role, is there a way that they can best get in touch with you?
2: Sure. So if you search for instructional coaching in Fairfax County Public Schools, it'll pull up our website where you can read more about the program. My contact information is on there and we can always link to my email in this podcast if you'd like.
1: Great. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on The Best of Us.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Best of Us. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the Kickup PLC at kickup.co slash plc, where you'll find all of the episodes of our podcast and other resources to help educators maximize the impact of their professional learning program.